I wonder how your heart is this morning. We've been touching on some of these things already, but how are you, how are you feeling just now in light of this incredible moment uh, which our world is facing? These are serious times. People's lives are in very real danger with many having lost their lives already. People's jobs are in very real danger with many having lost their jobs already. Vulnerable people are being forced into serious isolation. Our healthcare system will increasingly come under huge pressure, as if it wasn't already under significant pressure. As is also the case with our economy here and certainly around the world, under huge pressure. We do not know what the coming months will hold regarding things like, for example, vitally important supply chains, regarding education, how that's going to function. We don't know what this world is going to look like with incredible travel restrictions and what that's going to mean for the world's economy. All of these are very serious realities around the world and serious realities which we feel and have experienced and have to confront as a church family. It's a sobering moment. It's a solemn moment, and it's one which is developing all the time. I was even, as I sent out the email yesterday, uh, I looked back at the video I'd done a week before, and if I'm honest, I, I winced a little bit because I thought, ooh, I tried not to be frivolous in that video recorded last Saturday, but I think even my tone would be slightly different if I'd recorded that video yesterday, just in light of how things have developed. Who knows what's coming today? Who knows how we'll be feeling this time next week? Now, yes, sobering. Yes, solemn. And yes, here's the truth this morning. In many ways, nothing changes today about our understanding of things and about our response to what is going on. These realities that I've just listed, they've always been true. Lives at risk, huge financial problems, serious vulnerabilities in the various pillars upon which we have built this society and upon which we have built our lives. No guarantees of comfort or prosperity, peril and danger never far away. These things have always been true. Some in our church family have known these realities perhaps for many, many months, perhaps for many years. Certainly thousands around Aberdeen and Aberdeenshire have known those realities, and certainly millions around the world have known that. Now, that is not in any way to say, oh well, you know, no big deal then, nothing's changed, not at all, it's not what I'm saying. This is to underline as, as huge as these challenges are, and as they will continue most likely to mount up more and more, these are the deadly, serious realities we need to be prayerfully considering every single week, and that we have sought over years to come back to again and again. 
In the first message in the series that we're in at the moment, this is the last message of our little six-week series in Hebrews chapter 11. In the first message, I highlighted the context of Hebrews 10, how it was difficulty and how there was serious struggle that God's people were facing, and how there was suffering, and how there was loss of property, how their lives were in turmoil. And then we read these words in Hebrews 10, verse 35, which says, Therefore, in light of all of this hardship, the writer to the Hebrews says, Do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance. So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised for yet a little while. And the coming one will come and will not delay a little while. He's coming. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. And I said, if you remember, that I hoped that this would fly as a banner over this little series, that we are not of those who would shrink back and be destroyed, but of those who would have faith and preserve our souls. That was our prayer, and that was true six weeks ago. It was a necessary thing for us to hear six weeks ago, and my, oh my, how it is necessary for us to hear this today, for that to be our plea, our cry, our prayer today. And may it be true, dear friends, for however long this crisis is before us, and indeed beyond that, beyond that. Here's my message today in a sentence up there on the screen. Despite the deadly serious difficulties we face, we need not fear because God is with us and he has defeated those enemies to lead us home to the place of blessing with him. And I love that right before I've come up to preach this sermon, so many of the prayers around the room have been speaking that reality out together to one another. That we need not fear because God is in charge. He's a good God. He's with us. He has defeated whatever enemies are before us, not least the coronavirus. And he will lead his people home to the place of blessing with him. Our verse today, we just have one verse in this final message, is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30. I've asked Armin to, to track through the scriptures, but when they're not up, just to, to put that summary sentence up so we can just keep that before us. Hebrews 11, verse 30 says, By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. This was a deadly, serious enemy that was before God's people as he was leading them to the place of blessing. And it just says there in Hebrews 11 verse 30, by faith, those walls came down. Now let's just be honest. That just seems crazy, doesn't it? What on earth is that all about? Just have faith and your problems will disappear? Just have faith and your enemies will disappear? Is that our message? 
I really hope you know me well enough and this church well enough to know that that is not the simple, glib, careless tone that we seek to have when it comes to suffering. And yet, we have to wrestle with Hebrews 11 verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho came down. What does this mean? I'm keen for us to think this morning about God's heart that he has to bless us as his people. And whenever I speak about that, whenever I'm speaking about God's people, what I'm meaning by that is those who are, through Jesus Christ, children of God, safe and secure in the arms of God. If you're not sure if you're a child of God, if you're not sure if you're counted among God's people, just come to Jesus today. Acknowledge your need of him. Acknowledge your sin. Acknowledge that he's done everything to deal with it. Acknowledge that he has overcome every evil and every problem in this world and that he will one day come back and bring to fulfillment that work which is already sure and certain. Come to Jesus. Find yourself in him. That's who I'm speaking about. I want you to know that God's heart is to bless his people. And I want us to consider how then do we respond When we're confronted by enemies, when we're confronted by walls of Jericho, horrible, challenging moments that would stand in the way of us knowing the fullness of that blessing of God. God loves to bless his people. This is the story of the Bible. What do I mean by bless? That's a a word that we don't use very often. To, To bless basically means to give good gifts. It really means to make happy in its truest sense, in the way that would bring wholeness and goodness. I'm not talking about fleeting happiness or fleeting pleasures. I'm talking about that which lasts, that, that which would cry out what the world should truly be, that deep feeling of shalom, peace, wholeness that God has intended. God is a perfect Father who only ever desired and desires to give good gifts to His children, perfectly good gifts to His children. You see this right throughout the Scriptures that God has a heart to bless His people. And right alongside that, you see continually over and over again the story of humankind's rejection of God, rejection of God's gifts, rejection of God's blessings. So if you just journey back with me, if you want, we're not going to read any pages from Genesis 1 and 2, but right back to the first pages of the Bible, we see that God creates women and men And he creates them in his own image. And he creates them to what? To enjoy him. To enjoy his presence. The the humankind was created from the, the overflow of the perfect community in the Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. From that place, they, he decided to create us so that we could be caught up in community with God and with all his goodness. And he created us to enjoy him and to enjoy this beautiful world in which he's put us this world that he declared to be very good. And God creates women and men. And what's the first thing he does after that moment? He gives them a day off. This is our God's heart to bless. He creates them and then he rests. He says, what this world is about is about you resting and you resting with me. But of course, 
As I've said, humanity is quick to reject God, to push him away. So we quickly get a few chapters later to the story of the flood, which we looked at some weeks ago. Devastating story of God's uh, judgment over evil and injustice. But what do we see again? Does God give up? No. God makes things right and good again for his people. Yes, he judges sin, but he doesn't give up on the story of salvation that he has planned. His heart to bless is not over. And then we come forward again to Genesis chapter 12, and we looked at this a few weeks ago, and we see God's promise to Abram that despite all the sin and mess and destruction that would come through the family line of Abraham, through him, God will bless a people and give to them a land of blessing. And then again, through constant grumbling, sin, pushing God away, God continually reiterates his plans to bring blessing and peace to his people, but not just any freedom from that which is bad, but actually to bring rich favor, rich goodness, loving kindness to his people this merciful God of ours. So if you would, if you could turn to Exodus chapter 3, these are the first verses we're going to read uh, as this story of God's heart to bless his people uh, just continues to unfold before us. So if you remember, God's people have been uh, in captivity in Egypt and they're crying out to God for freedom from the from the, the oppression that they are under. And listen to God, to, to how God makes clear that he's not just wanting to, to bring freedom from that which is bad, but he's wanting to bring rich blessing. Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Now that's good news. That's wonderful news. And it's encouraging for us today as we pray for this world that we have a God who sees affliction. We have a God who hears cries of distress, who, who knows sufferings, and who wants to deliver people up out of that. Thank you, God, that that is the God that you are. But, but listen to how he goes so much further. Let's, let's read on where it says, I've come to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, and so on. Not just going to free them from slavery, not just going to bring them to some random place of peace, but this freedom that God is going to, be a, is going to bring about will be a good land, a broad land of beautiful abundance and taste and goodness. This is who God shows himself to be time and time again. But still, though we know this, Though we've been praying about this, singing about this this morning, day by day, the reality is that our embrace of God's blessing can seem a distant reality. God's kindness, God's goodness, God's abundance can feel very far off. 
I don't know if you feel like that at the moment. Especially in moments just now, we can feel like, where is God's blessing? How am I to feel this in my heart? What does this look like for me? God has made promises. Yes, I know that God has shown himself faithful again and again, despite grumbling and rebellion and difficulty, despite missteps on my part and on our part. God has shown himself faithful to his promises. But we know this reality that we are still in a battle and and the victory does not feel secure yet. It doesn't feel like that, and we just know the story's not over yet. And as we acknowledge that place, which is maybe where many of us are in just now, in that place, fear can begin to creep in, and despair can begin to creep in, and maybe mistrust of God can begin to creep in. But God leads His people on to blessing. Turn over, if you would, to Joshua chapter 1. We're we're considering how God's people are continuing to walk forward to know the blessing that God has for them. And even in the first few chapters of Joshua, we just see this dynamic of challenges that come again and again that test the faith of God's people. So look at verse 1 of Joshua 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord... The Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now again, just a huge, challenging moment for God's people. This is the great leader who under God had secured freedom for his people. Now he's gone. They would certainly have been asking, my goodness, what now? Is God giving up on us now? Can we see this plan through? Maybe it isn't his will after all to lead us to this place of blessing. No. Verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people, into the land I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. (laughs) Interesting, right? Past tense, I've given it to you already, even though your foot has yet to tread on it. Just as I promised to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, All the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. He's saying to his people, get up in this tough moment. Get up. Get going into this land that I am giving you, that I have given you. The sense is keep on, walk on. Why? Because I am there, God says. I will never leave you. I'm doing this. I am with you. So we have these realities that God has promised blessing for his people. We have to acknowledge how far off that can often feel for us, but we now hearing that, that God leads his people on and crucial to that journey forward is the reality that God is with his people. He's with us as we go, even in these challenging moments. So you have these great words from verse five onwards of assurance, but also kind of weighty challenge. And we need to hear these this morning. So verse five, I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous 
For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't turn from it to the right hand or the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go wherever you go God has this in his hands be strong take courage God is leading you on so in Joshua chapter 3 you get the small matter of crossing the huge Jordan River God miraculously holds back the waters and even in this story you see how it is underlined that in this trial. Again, the crucial thing is that God's presence is with them. Look at chapter 3, verse 14. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan, here's the thing, with the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people. So this is the manifestation of God's presence with his people. And as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water. And then get this little parenthesis just to underline the severity of the situation. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. When this happened, the waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarathan. And those flowing down toward the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off and the people passed over opposite Jericho and if you've forgotten now the priests bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until the nation finished passing over the Jordan incredible incredible moment there just acknowledging this the the, the presence of God through these trials, how it was with their acknowledgement of God with them in the very midst of the challenge that they were facing. That was what enabled them to walk through that particular trial. Turn over to chapter 5. We get a little foretaste of what life is going to be like in the land Joshua chapter 5 verse 10, when the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, they kept their Passover on the 14th day of the month in the evening on the plains of Jericho. So what are they doing there? What are they doing there? They're doing what we've been doing this morning. They're remembering who God is. They're remembering the goodness of God. They're remembering that God is true to his promises. And then look at verse 11. And the day after they ate the Passover on that very day, they ate of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. And the manna ceased the day after they ate of the produce of the land. There was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. So what a moment this would have been for them. They're getting a, a taste of what is to come. 
but they're not there yet. It's where we are. Even this morning, we have had a taste of the, the closeness of the presence of God, the security that we feel in God's presence, but we're not there yet. Not there yet, fully. Now, in, in, Joshua, in Joshua chapter 6, we have the story of the falling of the walls of Jericho, but just before that, you have one little further, frankly, curious, bizarre little encounter. Look at verse 13 of chapter 5. When Joshua was by Jericho... He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. You have this remarkable encounter with this messenger of God, really a manifestation of the presence of God himself. Is it not reminiscent of Moses' encounter with God? You know, take off your sandals. This is holy ground that you are on. And it's, it's, it's a curious moment because on one level, it doesn't seem to push the narrative on whatsoever. Even, you see this even in Joshua's question, you know, are you for us or for our enemies? No comes the reply. What's the point? He's like, I'm not for you necessarily. I'm not for your enemies necessarily. I'm here for God. I'm here to remind you that God is here. I'm here to remind you that it's not most important how I'm going to deal with your enemies or what that's going to feel like for you, but I want you to remember that I'm here. Take off your shoes. This is a holy place. Get low before me. God is here as this story is unfolding. Before the walls of Jericho, God is here. So I'm just trying to underline just time and again, we see, we get this sense in the scriptures, God wants to bless his people. God has made promises that he will bless his people. God is faithful. We can see that again and again. But there is this sense through the Bible that the journey is still ongoing. There are battles still ahead. Jericho is still standing strong before them. The victory isn't ours. But in the midst of that, no, people of God, I'm here. God is saying. That's the point again and again. Don't fear. Don't get too focused on the, 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 the grapes and the fruit and the harvest that's coming. Mainly, I want you to remember, this is about me. God is saying to his people, I will have my victory. I will stay true to my promises. I will lead you to the place of blessing. But in, in many ways, that's already there because it's in me. It's in me. Now, we're going to see as Joshua is before this huge enemy, this huge crisis, this huge problem. Yes, God deals with it. But I want, us to, I want us to really acknowledge how he deals with it and how it's laid out here in the Bible because it's, it's fascinating. Joshua 6 verse 1. Now, Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel None went out and none came in. 
And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. It's done. It's done. I've given Jericho into your hand. The victory is secure. That's what it says in Joshua 6, 1 and 2. Yay! God has shown himself faithful. He brought his people into the promised land as he said he would. They are free. They're blessed. Their future is certain. The milk and honey can flow. The clusters of fruit can be picked. The celebrations can start. Forget the, as it says there in verse 2, forget the king. Forget these mighty men of valor. Jericho has been given into your hand. God's people are home. They have nothing left to fear again. That's what it says in Joshua 6 verses 1 and 2. I've given Jericho into your hand. Now, this, dear friends, is the tone of the whole Bible. Hundreds of years later, as was promised, a descendant would come from Abraham's family who would come to bring blessing to the whole world. Jesus Christ, the one through whom God really would save not just a nation, but from all the nations of the world, anyone who would come to him through his coming, through his life, his death, his resurrection and ascension through the sending of his spirit to his church, he secures victory once and for all, for all of God's people. He gives victory into our hands, just like it's given in Joshua chapter 6, verse 2, to the extent that the New Testament resounds with the victory that is ours as the people of God, such that the New Testament would say things like this. The kingdom of God has come, Jesus says. It's in your midst as I am here. The New Testament says things like this. Take heart, says Jesus. He says, take heart because I have overcome the world. It says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory, Paul says. Paul also writes that God has blessed us. Remember, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with what? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Paul, who also says that we have been set free from the law of sin and death, who also says that Jesus has already triumphed over all evil power, over any authority, and he's done that through the cross. The scriptures that also say that we are more than conquerors over trouble and persecution and famine and sickness. Remember Peter who says even words like, we have been healed through Jesus' wounds on the cross. Dear friends, this is the tone 
of the New Testament. Just like Joshua chapter 6 verse 2 says, I have given Jericho into your hand, just like that, but infinitely greater. We're not just talking now about the securing of a victory and blessing for one physical nation at one point in the history of the world. Now, the New Testament wants us to know that we have secured, that God has secured for us, more appropriately said, a cosmic victory which brings eternal peace everlasting joy in a perfectly renewed, restored heavens and earth. Just like Joshua chapter 6 verse 2, the tone of the Bible is, it's done. It's given into your hands through Jesus' victory. As you trust in Him, as you are united to Him, all this is yours infinite blessing forevermore. God is faithful to his promises. It's done. But just like Joshua, I suspect, we hear that reality and we look up and the walls of Jericho are still standing very tall before us. And God has more instruction for his people. It's interesting, right? I mean, the story should end at verse 2. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You could imagine Joshua saying, maybe with a sense of yearning that some of us have felt this week. See, God, you call me to see? All I can see is peril. All I can see is hardship. All I can see is persecution, struggle, oppression, powers that are greater than me. That's what I can see. I don't see any victory yet. You're going to have to help me, God, with this seeing. Because all I see is a big, scary enemy before me. So verse 3 comes. You shall march around the city. All the men of war going around the city once. Then shall you do for six days. Sorry, thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times and the priests shall blow the trumpets and when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout and the wall of the city will fall down flat and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. What's all this about? What is going on here? This is what Hebrews 11 verse 30 is talking about. This is the faith. By faith, God brought down the walls of Jericho, right? But what is going on here? This is strange. The victory was secure, verses 1 and 2. Why this spectacle? Why this drama? Why seven days of difficulty? Why coronavirus? 
and, and all its horrific effects. It's because of this. God doesn't just give us the victory. He draws us into His victory. Yes, God had given Jericho into their hands, but He wanted His people to participate in His triumph. Here's the thing. Hold on to this. God gets glory and we get joy not by Him just giving us the victory, but in how He gives us the victory. And part of that is how we are called as His people to defiantly lift up our victory cry even in the face of the enemy clinging on before us. I'll say it again. God gets glory and we get joy not just by Him giving the victory but in how He gives us the victory and part of that is how we are called to, through tears, through hardship, helping one another out, we're called to defiantly lift high our victory cry even in the face of the enemy clinging on before us. That's what happens in Joshua chapter 6 over these days, marching and circling the city, trumpets blowing continually, the presence of God right there in the midst of them. And then on this final day, circling the city seven times, then this incredible cacophony of this victory cry, the final trumpet blast, and the walls come crashing down. God is making a spectacle of his enemy, and he's drawing his people in to share in that moment moment. And dear friends, this is where we are just now. This is where we need to be over the coming months. Hillview, Contour, Community Church, I want you to know the enemy is done for. The enemy is done for. Whatever structure or obstacle we could face, even coronavirus, it has been given over by God into the hand of His people. Your blessing as a child of God is secure. Your victory is absolutely certain in Christ Jesus. It might not always feel like that. That's understating it. It often does not feel like that. But the point of this message today is march on. March on on holding on to the promises of God in these difficult days. We are in the Christian life circling the enemy, just like the people of Israel with God in our midst, no longer lifting up the Ark of the Covenant, but we lift up the cross of Jesus Christ by which Colossians 2, verse 15. God has truly disarmed all powers and authorities, making a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. We lift high the cross and we sound the trumpet or the guitar or the piano or the YouTube 
or your songs of praise in your small group, in your quiet times, in your closet, on your own, however you do it, we lift high our praises of God. We raise a victory cry as we have been doing this morning. And we do that certain that the final day is coming when the walls of sickness, pain, difficulty, lack, struggle, division, depression, anxiety, when these enemies before us, we know those walls are coming, tumbling down. The victory is secure. That day is coming. Now, as we come to a close, we just have to acknowledge this is not easy. Can you imagine how this moment would have felt to the people of Israel. How ridiculous that first day would have been lining up, marching around the city. I don't know how long it took them. Trumpets blaring. Then the circuit finished. Then what are we going to do now? I guess it's back to the camp. Next day, same again. That that took faith to hold on to. All the time with Jericho before them, how they must have longed for that moment to be over, how some of them must have doubted God, how hard it would have been to hold on to hope and to raise a cry of victory before the stones and the bricks and the taunts of the enemy. This is why, by the way, it's important that however we manage to do it in these coming days, the community of faith is crucial. Some of us are going to want to give up. Others of us need to come and say, no, no, line up, line up. Lift higher, victory cry. Keep walking. They're coming down. They're coming down. To so many in our world, we have to be honest and acknowledge this morning, our faith in general looks absolutely ridiculous before a problem like coronavirus. What are you doing with your arms high in victory? Though tears are maybe rolling down your face, where's this confidence coming from? Where's this hope coming from? Why are you singing of God's blessings? I mean, it's, it's, it's borderline offensive. And this is where we just got to be so careful with our tone. We don't want to be glib. We don't want to be careless. But we must hold on to hope, even whilst others would say, what is this victory cry of yours in the midst of sickness like this, in the midst of global turmoil? Without the eyes of faith, it just looks crazy. But we're walking forward in faith. And what power there is in that place when, though the walls of Jericho stand tall before us, we lift our victory, cry high, even though tears are, are rolling down our cheeks. Here's the point. That makes God look glorious. God is enough in those moments. He's not just a means to an end. He is the end. Whom have I in heaven but you? And on earth there is nothing that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may well fail, but God is the strength of my heart 
and my portion forever. God gets glory and we get joy, not just by him giving the victory, but in how he gives the victory. And part of that is how we are called to defiantly lift high our victory cry, even in the face of the enemy still clinging on before us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, by the power of your Spirit, help us walk forward in faith, shining brightly the light of Christ and lifting high our cry of victory that through Christ you have secured blessing for us. You have been, you are victorious over all evil and all its effects, including sickness, pain, and loss, and even our greatest enemy, death itself. Father, I pray that you would help us in this church family in these days to love others well, to care well for one another in this church and indeed beyond this church. And Father, help us hold on to hope. Help us walk forward in faith. Help us point to your glory, your splendor, your sufficiency as we lift Jesus high even in these difficult days. Pray these things in Jesus' name. For his sake.